your speech patterns identify your socioeconomic status? And if so, how is that influencing your job interviews and a company's equal opportunity hiring goals? That is the topic of today's research, so welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about human psychology and mental health, social change, and cultural trends. So this is the 13th episode. We made it all the way to 13 here. So if you have enjoyed what you've heard on the past 12 episodes or what you hear on this 13th episode, be sure to follow on whatever platform you prefer and to share the podcast as well. I really appreciate the shares. Uh, Bedletter is found on Spotify and iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is that you're listening to it right now. Um, it's on a bunch of other little platforms as well, um, little podcasting apps and stuff. But subscribing and following on those different uh, those different platforms is definitely the best way to stay up to date as new episodes are coming out, and as we talk about new and interesting, uh, you know, contemporary psychological research. So, another way you can stay up to date with what we're talking about on the show and what, with what we've got going on is to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. It's just at c ashleman. It's at c a s h l i m a n. Those places are also right now the best way to generate discussion, um, just using the social media outlets to talk about, you know, comment on the different things and talk about what you think of it about the episode, what you think about the research and kind of your, you know, take on it. Um, I always find that to be very interesting. I love the discussion. And so, uh, I, you know, I have thought about doing like a, a Discord community. I have made a Discord. I haven't really advertised it or done anything with it yet, but I've thought about making a Discord community just for more discussion. I'm not sure if that's the best way to do that or not yet, um, but I've also been using Twitter a lot more recently, kind of just sharing other research that we are not really talking about on the show, but just other cool research that I've, you know, ca- happened across. And so um, definitely go check me out on Twitter. It's just at C. Ashleman there. Um, and Twitter looks like it's also a pretty good place to, you know, have this, have discussion and, and comment. The threads there work pretty well. So I don't know. We're just going to have to kind of play it out as, as we try to figure out what the best avenue is to generate discussion and kind of the best platform to, to have that discussion and, and talk about what, what's happening on the show because the... The different topics we're talking about on here are very interesting, and there's a lot of different ways and ideas that you could do with them and and take with them. So if you have any ideas or if you have any, um, you know, just any ideas about where, you know, the platform that would be best or just anything at all, definitely message me, shoot me a message, reply to me on on the social media platforms and stuff like that, and, uh, and yeah. So today's episode is going to be looking at an article that I found in Yale News. Um, this article in Yale News was written by Mike Cummings. It was published on October 21st, 2019, and the full study that they plan is planning to be published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So the full study has not been fully published yet, but the um, it has been completed. And it is going to be published very soon. But the the article in Yale News just kind of pours through all of, all of what they've done so far on it and, and the research that they've found. So the new study has found that interviewees, so the people getting interviewed, is their social status is judged uh, oftentimes based on their speech patterns. 
And even more, the study says that people can accurately assess socioeconomic status from these speech patterns, right? So we're not talking just about um, judgments and perceptions here. We're kind of getting into a bit of... uh, you know, a bit of reality here where they're accurately assessing, right? They're accurately judging. These people are tend, do tend to be on the socioeconomic status level that they're being judged at more often than not. But this, this status, this socioeconomic status is kind of comprised of several different things. It's comprised, it considers, you know, the income level of someone and it's considering for this research uh, their education level as well as their you know previous occupation level, previous income levels, stuff like that. So, you know, these assessments are are all coming from judgments that are made on speech patterns for this research, for the sake of this research. Um, we're only looking at speech patterns by interviewees. But as a result of this research, um, these perceptions have you know, higher hiring managers oftentimes favoring high socioeconomic status people for the job that they're hiring for without the, you know, without the managers and hiring managers really realizing this, right? So out of the gate, I kind of look at this and I go, you know, I don't know that I'm, I'm fully surprised. I don't know if, if just the fact that they're favoring high socioeconomic status people is that surprising. It kind of sounds like something that would kind of, end up happening I guess but the you know really the surprising thing and the scary part of it is that these these perceptions and these judgments are happening without without our knowledge they're happening without our understanding or happening without our really say so about whether or not we want them to happen or not right and and it's because you know because we live in a a work and hiring structure you know an environment that's all about equal opportunity, right? At least here in America, it's, it's, it's all about having opportunity that is, that is equal for one person and equal for another, whether or not their, their qualifications for a job line up with what the actual job role is, can be a different story. But the, the actual opportunity for someone is there. And so this equal opportunity structure is kind of the basis for what this research is saying is that you know, favoring high SES people just directly goes against this because nobody, no, no company wants to put out a statement that says, you know, that they only hire high SES people by SES. I mean, high socioeconomic status people. You can't put out a statement like that anyway, because that totally undermines and goes against the equal opportunity hiring law, you know, but the way that our snap judgments work in this environment, the way that the the snap judgments of these hiring managers are working kind of sets that that equal opportunity hiring law it kind of sets it up to fail in a way in the first place like right out of the gate and so just just based on several seconds of speech from this person and uh you know but really the intimidating part about all of this is just the complete lack of control that is being had by by hiring managers and it's not even just by hiring managers it could be by anybody right if if these judgments are happening just off of a few seconds of speech it could be it's not even necessarily just from hiring manager it could be towards anybody because it's not and like i said they're they're they are accurately you know assessing the socioeconomic status level of these people that's not what's the problem here there's no problem with accurately assessing someone's you know 
economic level. The problem is, is what you do with that information. The problem is, is how you judge that information, right? Because the facts are the facts. If someone's at a level, they're at that level. But if you judge that level to be lower, or if you judge that level to be less effective at something or, you know, whatever, that's when you start to have less, not equal opportunity. That's when you start to have favoritism. That's when you start to have, you know, companies only hiring people who come from the upper echelons of society, which in turn has, you know, results in all kinds of things, it results in less diversity. It results in, you know, similar ideas and less creativity and, and all kinds of stuff. So, but yeah, I think, I think the intimidating part about this research is really just the, the lack of control that we have over this snap judgment, right? Because we don't really have like a little app on our phone that we can download where, you know, we can, we can, it, it rings and has a little red flag on it that says, hey, you know, your judgment you're making right now is impeding, you know, fair process. Um, or, or like, you know, we don't have the app on our little Apple watches or whatever, our Samsung watches that pops up and is like giving us the alert saying that, that uh, what we're thinking right now or what we're choice we're making or what judgment we're making is impeding, you know, due process and fair process for equal opportunity hiring. We don't, we don't have anything like that. So we have to, it is totally up to us and our brains and our, and our goals to sort of wrangle this habit of snapping to certain assumptions and snapping to these, these judgments that are actually affecting decisions that we're making. And so Michael Krauss, who is an assistant prof professor of organizational behavior at Yale, um, he worked on this study. He was kind of the flagship guy on the study um, in charge of it, and he's got a PhD. He sums up things very nicely by saying, while most hiring managers would deny that a job candidate's social class matters, in reality, the socioeconomic position of an applicant or their parents is being assessed within the first seconds they speak. A circumstance that limits economic mobility and perpetuates inequality. And I find this idea very interesting of perpetuating inequality, um, especially in this context. I think it's, I think it's very interesting because it's really quite a scary thing to have the best intentions, the most upright and, and solid and positive intentions of, of trying to give everybody the equal opportunity, right? Even if you're the most upstanding employer and, and hiring manager there is, um, you can have the best intentions, but subtly and un, totally unknown to you, you could be making small choices and assumptions that are kind of going against what you believe in a way. And just by just by who you're subtly choosing to hire, right? And and we'll get a little bit more into the research and why that is as we go on here. But I just find that to be the scary thing. And it's it's not like these are giant, huge assumptions that are really affecting massively on the on the scale of what the choices are being made. But like, it's just these little things that are seeping in, unknown to you, into your conscious and subconscious that are influencing the choices that you that that are made. And so that's that's really the scary thing in my opinion is just like this this perpetual inequality thing that's happening that's very difficult to see because you can't see it, you can't really measure it, you can't really like or measure it really effectively at least. And so it's kind of just this little phantom 
thing that that sits in the background and a little demon on the shoulder right and and just whispers a little bit and you can't you don't know that it's fully there so it's really it's really interesting it's very interesting so so anyway how did the researchers find out all this stuff how did they do this research how did they conduct the research how did it all go down so what they did is they conducted five separate studies and the first four studies examined um, the extent that people accurately guessed socioeconomic status based on just a few seconds of speech, right? Again, accurately assessing. And so in these first four studies, they found that by reciting seven random words, that was enough for another person to accurately guess the SES, socioeconomic status, of another person with an above chance success, right? So they would give these people you know, recite seven words. It doesn't say the pool that the seven words were chosen from. It's seven random words. I imagine it wasn't just like, and a, the, like, I imagine it's actually words that had, you know, vowels, consonants, and had the opportunity to kind of have inflection and, and, uh, accent put into them to some degree. But yeah, there, there's seven random words were, or what they found was that it seven random words was enough for someone to accurately guess the SES of another person. And this is above chance with an above chance success. So this is above a 50% chance, right? More often than not, the person was guessing it right. And so they found that speech that adhered to kind of the regular expectations of English or even the digital expectations of English was often associated with a perceived and actual high social class, right? So they're they're perceiving it as an, as a, that person as being a part of a higher social class, and they're also that person is more often than not actually of that higher social class. Um, if they were speaking with regular you know regular expectations of English, and by regular expectations of English, I, I mean that you know the words that are being spoken are sounding how they're supposed to sound like phonetically. There's isn't like a whole lot of um, you know wrong emphasis emphasis on different syllables in the word there the word is is you know plainly spoken and spoken how it sounds phonetically and when i say digital expectations of english i kind of mean you know amazon alexa or apple's siri google assistant all of these different digital assistants and digital expectations of english where yes you know siri says some words a little weird they say they say they say some words with a little bit you know weird inflection and stuff like that but um, still, more often than not, those regular expectations and those digital expectations were being paired and perceived as coming from someone who was of a high social class. And so I find this to be very interesting because, like I said, we've got both perception and actual um, actual results, right? We have, we have these people are being perceived as being in this class, but they're also norm- more often than not actually of this this. Uh, you know, social class. So it's not really just the way that someone is perceiving something, because a lot of the studies that we've looked at over the past, you know, several weeks, uh, month and a half here have been, you know, they've been, they've had a lot to do with how people see things or how people think about things or with how people, just how people perceive certain things, right? Judgments and stuff like that. But this is kind of interesting because it's kind of starting to get to the point where perception is starting to line up with actual reality in a way the perception of someone's whatever is 
speech in this case is starting to line up with what is actually real in the world, with where that person actually is in the world. And uh, I, I find that to be very interesting. Um, you know, additionally, in these in the first four studies that they did, the researchers found that um, pronunciation cues in speech were oftentimes even a better tell of SES, socioeconomic status, than actual content of the speech, right? So this, I, I love this idea. I think it's very interesting because it's sort of like, it kind of aligns itself similarly to the idea that, you know, body language conveys more than actual words, like content of words. And I think this kind of also sheds a light on why, you know, maybe texting or emails and, and just writing can sometimes be impossible to, when it's between two people, can sometimes be impossible for like effective and full communication, just because such a high level of communication is gathered from um, body language and intonations and pronunciations. And as this study has found, you know, it's shown here that it is more oftentimes more about delivery. It's more about the uh, inflections in your voice and the pronunciation of your words and the delivery of it of whatever you're saying than it is about the content of the words itself than the, you know the actual words that are in the sentence itself and i find that to be very interesting because it kind of just reinforces this idea of i think i read somewhere once that it's like when you're communicating with another person face to face like 90% of it is or maybe it wasn't 90 it was like some super high number 90 80% of that communication is actually being conveyed mostly through body language and stuff like that rather than what the actual words that are coming out of your mouth are saying. So for the fifth study, um, the final study of the research, they examined how these speech cues were influencing the hiring process, right? And so um, what they did to figure this one out is they took 20 job candidates from varied socioeconomic status backgrounds and they interviewed them for an entry-level lab manager position at Yale, okay? And then prior to this actual interview, what they did is they had, they had these candidates, these 20 candidates, record a conversation where they were asked to just describe themselves, right? And so a sample, what they did then after, after they had these 20 different recordings of these people who were applying for this job, they re then recruited 274 people with hiring experience, right? So these are these are hiring managers, hiring experience. Um, they hired 274 people who then listened to these 20 recordings. Each of them listened to the 20 recordings. And these 274 hiring managers were then, you know, allowed to assess the candidates and, you know, go through a kind of a questionnaire of these candidates. They're assessing people based on you know professional qualities that they thought they had, starting salaries that they'd put them at, signing bonuses, perceived socioeconomic statuses, um, and and this is all based solely on this pre-interview recording. This isn't they're not looking at resumes, they're not looking at you know actual interview footage, they're not interviewing them themselves. They're all based on this pre-recorded bit where that person, one of these 20 people were talking, they're talking about, you know, just describing themselves. And it does mention in the article how the hiring managers who heard the recording were a lot better at assessing the socioeconomic status than those who read the transcripts of the, of the recordings. Because I guess some of the 274 hiring managers just read transcripts 
So just like the writing of what the person had said, which I was, you know, when I when I read that, I was like, well, duh, because you're you're looking at speech, right? You can't gather a whole lot about a person's speech intonations and stuff when you're reading a transcript. But at the same time, I thought about it a little more. It's kind of interesting because it shows that writing just just the writing sort of kind of gets around that judgment that the brain makes it kind of is like a like a life hack to to getting around that snap judgment or a brain hack i guess you could say of of subverting that little snap judgment that our brain makes but at the same time you have the whole loss of you're not getting the actual voice you're not getting the pronunciation cues you're not getting any of the body language you know, anything like that. So it's kind of which pick your poison type of thing. So without seeing any of the candidates' actual qualifications, any of these 20 candidates' actual qualifications or any, you know, full, you know, resume information or anything like that, the 274 hiring managers perceived the higher socioeconomic status people um, to be more likely to be competent at the job that they're hiring them for. They perceive them to be a better fit for the job, and the higher socioeconomic status people were perceived to have, you know, be given bigger salaries, be given bigger signing bonuses, and you know all these different little aspects that were pulled in, and and then giving them to these people who were perceived to have a high socioeconomic status, and so you know I think it's important to note here. You know, I'm not I'm not a hiring manager myself, obviously, but I really doubt that hiring managers ever make choices solely based on just speech or solely based on just like one little tiny three minute interaction that's not even fully about the job, right? And and that meaning that I think that resumes and qualifications they I think that they normally come into play for sure. I mean, obviously conversations and speech does play a role, but I think that, you know, obviously resumes and qualifications come into play quite heavily, what a person's background and history is. But if you think about it, what if the choice for, you know, the choice for the job is down between two people who have very similar qualifications. They have very similar you know, work history and references and all this stuff, and it's just down to two people. Is is that where we start to see these, you know, these uh, the equal opportunity start of start to kind of deteriorate a little bit, and the subtleties of a person's speech start to influence the choice of a hiring manager. You know, is that where we start to see that? that decline in the equal opportunity if it's two people who are very close in, in qualifications, right? So it's it's interesting because just the speech patterns of someone may subconsciously make that choice for them. And I say for them in, the, in a very weird meta way as in, you know, the person's obviously making the choice. It's just one individual, the hiring manager. But that, that like I said, that little demon on the shoulder, that little snap judgment might kind of subconsciously start to to uh, make that choice is what this research is kind of showing. And then, you know, when it comes time to, you know, assess salaries or assess promotions, even within a company, if you've already been hired at this point and there's two people who are looking at, you know, maybe getting a promotion or getting a raise or getting bonuses, does it affect those kinds of situations? Does it affect those kinds of scenarios where people are 
are being judged on, you know, based on merit, based on these other things. But when it comes down to it, what's what's the real factor? What are the what are the things that are really influencing the person's decision who has to make this decision? You know, there are many little areas within the workplace, but and not even necessarily just within the workplace. Obviously, this research kind of focuses on the workplace, but um, there are many little areas that become huge in a in a person's life that these judgments affect. Right? I mean, a, a raise is that's thousands of dollars in a person's life that can make a real impact and a real difference for their life. You know, assessing salaries or assessing whether or not somebody actually gets a job. These are big deals for, for people's lives. And so um, there's lots of little areas and little ways that this kind of starts to, to influence decision-making. And, uh, you know, these, these, like I said, these judgments have the potential to affect choices at, at all levels of power, at all, at all levels of power within the workplace. So, it's very interesting research, but I really want to wrap up the research with a quote that's from the Yale News article that's given by Michael Krauss. Again, he's the guy that kind of flagshipped all this research and was in charge of it. But he ends the ends his bit by saying, "We rarely talk explicitly about social class, and yet people with hiring experience infer competence and fitness based on socioeconomic position estimated from a few seconds of an applicant's speech." If we want to move to a more equitable society, then we must contend with these ingrained psychological processes that drive our early impressions of others. Despite what these hiring tendencies may suggest, talent is not found solely among those born to rich or well-educated families. Policies that actively recruit candidates from all levels of status in society are best positioned to match opportunities to the people best suited for them. So I really like that quote. I know it's a little long, but I really like that quote and what he kind of garners out of the research here, um, kind of where he's kind of breaking down the wall and saying something that we kind of all know where it's like, yeah, talent isn't found just solely among the upper echelon of society. It's found everywhere. But at the same time, we almost have to convince our brains of that because they are inclined to almost do the opposite. But yeah, I really think this research is fascinating. It really helps to shed a light on something that's extremely important, and that is just tendencies of our brains, tendencies of our judgments and, and of our perceptions of things. And, and oftentimes, you know, our, our worst enemy is ourselves. It's, it's our own, it's our own mind. It's our own, you know, uh, habits. It's our own inclinations to do something. And so it's really, that's what I love about this research is it, it kind of just helps us become more aware. And, you know, while it's not productive to make snap judgments like this about, other people, you know, other people's economic status, because we're, you know, all about equal opportunity, it is productive to be aware of what is happening in our brain that can influence that. It is productive to to be aware of this kind of thing, for sure. And, uh, you know, so really this type of research can, can help hiring managers, it can help anyone who's in any kind of power to make a decision about people, because we never know when when hearing these hearing another person speak we never know when that's kind of starting to subtly influence decision making and you know maybe in some situations having a having a vetting process is better where instead of just one hiring manager you've got like three or four and they they kind of it, the the people's you know speech patterns and and pronunciation cues are kind of ran over different eyes and ears um, maybe in some situations it's better to have only writing. And so the person is just presenting themselves through their own, you know, through their writing, through their communication that way, depending on the job, obviously, and depending on the situation. But, you know, mainly I think awareness is the key here. I think being aware of this information, being aware of this type of research is really the key. 
and and training yourself to look deeper into things, training yourself to think about someone and to look past the front cover of someone and to try to understand more about their past or to try to understand more about why they think that or why they talk like that or, you know, and especially when it comes to hiring for a position, look at the things that are pertinent for that position. Because people are diverse, you know, people are unique, but we all have a lot more in common than we have in difference. And so, you know, I think I think that's where I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you enjoyed listening, be sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. Bed Letter is, once again, found on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and a bunch of other smaller platforms. Um, if you found this interesting, please, please share it with your family, friends, any podcast lovers that you know of, anybody who's interested in psychology and research or just cool, weird facts and, and stuff like that. Um, you can follow me on social media to stay up to date with the show. Again, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, it's just at C. Ashleman. I've definitely been using Twitter a little bit more. I've been posting a, uh, some of the just, just other cool research that I've been finding and just other, you know, different thoughts on this, that, and the other on there. So um, be sure to to follow on those platforms to stay up to date. Um, again, share the podcast out there. I really, really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Love you guys, and I will see you next time on Bed Letter. Bed Letter.